seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they said they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who'd gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognised him as he was breaking the bread. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. Please take a seat. And let's pray as we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, would you fill us again with your Holy Spirit, that we might hear your voice speaking to us this morning through this, your Holy Word. Amen. Now, we've got two readings. They're both post-resurrection. You've got a reading from the book of Acts, which is the day of Pentecost. It's Peter's big sermon. Peter, the fisherman who's not been educated um, and is always putting his foot in it and saying the wrong thing, suddenly has the power, has the strength, has the courage to stand up in front of thousands and say... This is what we believe. This is what has happened. And this is what you should do about it. But today I'd like to focus on the road to Emmaus, which is also post-resurrection, but it's pre-Pentecost. You have two disciples here. Uh, we, we're told one is called Cleopas. Uh, we speculate about who the other one might be. Um, but this is not a confident pair. This is not a happy pair. These are two people who are deeply grieving. 
their friend has just died just a couple of days before. And more than that, the one that they'd pinned all their hopes on has died. So Cleopas, uh, it's a good Jewish name, he's someone who believes in the scriptures. He knows the Old Testament. Otherwise, how can you understand when Jesus explains it to him later on? So he knows that the promise is that God will send a Messiah who will save the people of Israel, redeem them, just like he did before and take, took them out of Egypt. He has been waiting along with all of Israel for this Messiah to come, and he thought that he had found him. So Jesus wasn't merely a friend, wasn't merely an interesting teacher, wasn't actually just <clears throat> the person he'd chosen to follow and take the, the teachings of, like people did follow rabbis and follow their particular strain of teaching. He believed Jesus to be the focus of all his faith. Everything he's been brought up to believe since he was a little boy, that one day God would send Messiah. He, that for him was invested in Jesus. The Jewish people every year celebrate Passover. They remember, because the, the scriptures command them to, the story of being saved from slavery in Egypt and being brought out through the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. And they always tell each other that the youngest in the family asks the, these three questions about why do we do this? Why do we eat that? Why do we do it at this time? And the answer is so that we would never forget and that you would be able to tell your children what our God did for us when we were slaves in the desert. Cleopas has had this all his life and he believed Jesus was the Messiah, which would have meant, I don't know, we, we, we speculate they thought that Rome would be thrown out, that Israel would take control of its own destiny again. Uh, the Messiah was from the line of David. David's kingdom extended up into Lebanon, down to, the, down to Egypt. I mean, it was, Israel had never commanded so much territory or so much respect. When the temple is built by David's son, you see how much people bring us tribute from other nations. The wood comes from Lebanon. Um, the Queen of Sheba comes and brings gifts and gold and silver. Uh, Egypt sends their uh, tribute. Israel enjoyed a lot of uh, blessings when David was king. And so when Messiah has come, blessings are going to come again. And they were looking for it. They're waiting for it. They're following Jesus, waiting for Jesus to reveal himself and go, here we go. And yet he had allowed himself to be arrested and led away and humiliated and killed. And now there are all these stories. The women have said that they've seen Jesus. Uh, the men who are the ones you can trust in a court of law at that time, a woman's word is not counted. Uh, you needed sort of two women to kind of make a valid testimony because you don't trust them. But the men have been, and the body is definitely gone, we know that. And it's all really confusing. So you've got this grief, this disappointment, this uh, crushing sense of, well, what now? We've invested so much time over the last couple of years thinking this is it. 
This is what God is doing and we are in the right place at the right time. Praise God, let's see it come. And it takes them to the foot of the cross. So now what? Even with the body gone, how does that change anything? What do they tell people? There's no Messiah to follow. There's no one to lead them into battle. There's no one to make God's judgments. What do they do? (coughs) So they go home. And so we find them walking home, trudging, talking about everything that happened, trying to make sense of uh, why would Mary say she's seen Jesus? Who would have taken the body? How did anyone get past the stone? What, what is going on? And while they're talking, Jesus comes and walks alongside them. And he says, God keeps them from recognising who Jesus is. And so you get to the they stop. He says, so what are you talking about? They stop short, sadness written across their faces. It's like, how can you ask that question? Do you live on Mars? Not, we know where Mars is at this point. But do, how can anyone in this area not know what's just happened? And this man, Jesus, who was a great teacher, who was a prophet, who so many of us believed in was Messiah, has been killed. And now we just, the body's gone. The women are saying he's alive. We don't know what to do. And Jesus, I love it. Jesus is, is normally very, very kind. But his response, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. And it's, the fact he carries on, I suppose, I'm, I'm not trying to judge Jesus, realise where I'm standing. But you think, he, he, Jesus, there's a, almost an element of frustration that we see with Jesus and his disciples all the way through. It's like, but you know this stuff. I know you know this stuff. You've, we've talked about the Old Testament. We've talked about the prophecy in Isaiah. We've discussed that as a round. You've heard me preach in the temple from the scroll of Isaiah. How is this, how do you not get it? And so Jesus, um, having heard them tell their story, Jesus then tells his story. Jesus takes them through all the references in the Old Testament to the Messiah, to the suffering servant, to God's coming salvation. And he explains this is what had to happen to Jesus. This was always the plan for the Messiah. It wasn't going to be military victories. It was sacrifice. That's God's chosen way. And so they listen as Jesus explains the scriptures. And it only takes a while. There's a lot of scriptures. And this takes them to the end of their journey in Emmaus. And so they say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's late. I suspect they're enjoying the conversation. They're finding it interesting to try and have someone give them some insight into what's been going on. Actually, Jesus seems certain about things. They're not certain about anything. Please, eat with us. Come in. It says Jesus makes to go on, but they push him. And he says, okay, so he comes and he has the meal with them. And then when he is eating with them, he blesses the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them just as he did at the Last Supper. At which point, God opens their eyes and they think, and they can see, it's Jesus. And he's gone. 
there's a separate sermon about what it means to live in a resurrected body because Jesus has a physical body post-resurrection he eats fish he cooks for people they can touch him um, but he also doesn't seem to be limited by locked doors um, and by physical space the way we are it's time to go he's gone and then we see we'll see later on uh, next week that um, they go back they rush back to Jerusalem while they're talking to the disciples there about what they've seen and having met Jesus Jesus is there with them you read on from our reading today and Jesus comes and appears in the middle of them there he's not one with them back the same way there's a different law at work when you are in a resurrected body separate sermon, different time and so Jesus leaves them with his explanation, having with them recognised him. And so they then, within the hour, as close to immediately as they can, pick up and leg it back to Jerusalem. Now, remember, it was getting late. They told Jesus to come and eat with them because it's getting late. You don't want to go anywhere else because, you know, bandits, robbers, thieves darkness you catch your foot on a stone come and come and stop here stop for the night forget that they have seen Jesus this is not a we'll go in the morning this is a quick pack your bag out the door and they run the seven miles back to Jerusalem to arrive back puffing and panting to find the other 11 times going the Lord has really risen he appeared to Peter, it's true, what the women said, it's actually true. And so Cleopas and the others say, we met him. He met us on the road, he explained to us what's happened. Yes, he is risen. We recognised him as he broke the bread. I've been drawn to Luke rather than Acts this morning. Because actually, although we are, we are also post-Pentecost, we are all filled with the Holy Spirit, I think often our walk with God starts from a position of grief. It starts from a position of struggle, a position of problems that seem insurmountable, things that weigh down our hearts. And I think there is something about the way clear paths and his companion engage with God in this passage that can guide and help us. So the first thing is um, to let Jesus in. So they're walking along the road, Jesus starts walking with them. Um, I don't know if anyone sat next to you on the bus and started talking. It's not something that we cope with particularly well. They could have said, excuse me, we're grief-stricken, have some respect, we're, this is just a private party. They let Jesus in. Then they told him what they were struggling with. Have you not heard? This is what's been going on. And then they listened to him. As he explained to them, could you not see? The scriptures explain it from Malachi, from Isaiah, from this is God's plan. And having listened to him, then they invite him into their house. They say, stay with us. And then as he's with them, they have this revelation. They have this epiphany, this moment of clarity. And it's like, oh, Jesus is alive. 
you are here, we have hope, Messiah is still alive. And so they go and they tell someone else. So for us, as we struggle with whatever we struggle with, we have to make space for as Jesus comes alongside us to recognise that he is there and to allow him to come close to us. Then we need to talk to him and we need to tell him what we're struggling with, what hurts, what bothers us, what's made us angry or upset. But having got to the end of our story, then we need to listen to him. And whether that's about being silent, whether that's about picking up your Bible and actually reading it and looking for things that uh, just strike a chord in your heart with what God might be saying to your situation. But we listen. We ask God to speak to us. What, what is his perspective? What does he see? What does he know that we don't? And having listened, the next step is to invite him into our situation. And say, okay, well come, stay. Help me in this. Help me do what you said. Help me understand. Help me to take it into uh, how I'm living. Now there's no guarantee in the Bible how quickly God answers. But when God does do something, when we get what we've asked for, when God meets with us, we should be telling other people, both Christians and non-Christians. For Christians, because it encourages them. And it's like, you know what, I was feeling awful. And I prayed and I told God, and actually then I was reading my Bible and I read this passage. And I felt like Jesus was saying to me, I'm with you always. And it really felt like he was there. And I had some peace. I was sharing that means someone else can think, well, okay, well, I'm feeling pretty low. Maybe I can do the same thing. If God is real for you and helps you, God could be real for me. God could help me. And for those who aren't Christian, those who don't believe, actually, why would they believe unless they hear that it makes a difference. Why would anyone put their faith in a God where the difference he makes to your life is he takes an hour of your time on a Sunday morning? We follow God because he is good, because he's real, because he is true. And that makes a difference to our lives. And that's what we need to communicate to people. It is good news that Jesus is written, risen, is written, it's written in the book that he is risen. Uh, it's good news that he loves us. It's good news that we can be forgiven of things that make us feel ashamed or guilty. It's good news that we will live forever and these bodies are allowed to pass away and we do not. Our spirits live on with Jesus. That's good news. My old vicar used to say, um, have you ever had um, a new arrival in the family? whether it's a child, a niece or nephew, a grandchild. When that's happened, have you ever not told anyone about it? My parents, as soon as they had grandchildren, were showing photos to everybody, all and sundry, even scanned photos. And our scanned photos did not look like babies. They were just blue blobs. 
But they were so, it's like, look, it's good news. Look, I'm going to have a granddaughter or a grandson or something. Yay! And actually for Cleopas and his companion, this is how they felt. They'd met with Jesus, so they they couldn't pick up the phone. They ran seven miles to be able to say to someone else, yay! He's risen, the women are right, it's okay. It's not all been for nothing. And the problem is that often we are so weighed down with our burdens that we don't push through, we don't get to that point where we receive from Jesus the thing that we need to keep us going. And actually, when we get something, we're all very, um, because you're being British about it, you, you don't share, you don't boast, you don't invade other people's space and talk about yourself, that would be boastful. So we don't hear what other people are happy what's happening to other people. We don't hear that other people are being blessed, other people have experiences where God is changing things for them. And actually our faith shrinks because we don't, we're not aware of what God is doing. We should be excited by this stuff. If we don't have an experience of God that makes us excited, well, frankly, I think it's worth seeking one out. Going to God saying, I'm not excited about you because you've not done anything. And there's this problem and it's still this problem. Go to him like Cleopas have done. Tell him everything. Tell him how angry you are. That's fine. It's in Job. It's in the Psalms. But then listen. Give Jesus space to talk to you and explain what he thinks. Explain how he he feels about your situation. And then invite him to come in and eat with you. Seek out a way of spending time with him. Sandra last week, SBP, stop, breathe, pray. I loved it. I've been doing it this week. That thing that in the middle of rushing around doing different things, you just stop. And breathe. And pray. God, thank you that you're here. God bless me. God help me. God be with the person I'm about to meet. Anything but just that sense of stopping. So if God wants to speak, we're listening and we can hear him. It's difficult as Christians when we say, praise God, he is risen and we're struggling with the same problem we've been struggling with for the last however long. I'm not questioning that at all. But I'm saying our God is big enough for us to come to him, tell him what we're struggling with, what our problem is, and then if we listen, he will speak into our situation. He will lift us up. If that's the bit that you struggle with, it's like he never speaks to me, come talk to us. Speak with me, with Reverend Amelia, with Ajay, with Ali. We'd love to chat with you about how you can hear Jesus speaking to you, either through his word or as you pray. Because what changes things for them is hearing Jesus give his side of the story and then reaching the point where they've invited him in and they recognise who Jesus is and suddenly everything is different. I'm not saying God heals everything. 
that God answers every prayer. But I'm saying he is with us and he will never forsake us. And we need to take everything to him so that he can change us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your kindness. That when Cleopas and his friend were so grief-stricken, you walked with them. You talked everything through. You went to their house. And it was only at the very end they recognised who you were. But that changed everything for them. Pray that you would give us courage and strength to bring our struggles and our problems to you. And that you would help us to hear your voice as you speak to us. That we might see you for who you are. As the Messiah, as the risen one, as the Lord of all creation. And that when you do answer our prayers, we would have the courage and the confidence to share with each other. The stories of what you have done, the tales of your goodness. Lord Jesus, we ask this for your glory. Amen.